Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. Joining me this month is the magnificent, the magnanimous, the one who has bats in his belfry, Mr. Kevin Austin. Kevin, welcome once again to the program. Why, thank you, sir. It's kind of hard to follow up on that, although I won't disagree with everything you just stated. <laughs> so, last time I remember you, you had bats like a couple months ago. Do you still have them around the house? I uh, have not seen any, thankfully. So, I'm going to go with no. Uh, it, it, it was a weird time uh, in New England that's like mating season, I guess. So, Ooh. I think that's kind of why it was around. I see. Um, but luckily, haven't seen any since. So, let's keep it that way. <laughs> that's uh, that's right, Bats. If you're listening, let, let's keep it PG in here, all right? Yeah, all right. please. All right, Kevin, what have you been entertained by recently? Oh, geez. Um, uh, well, on the gaming front, um, still knee deep in Destiny 2. Uh, absolutely loving that game. Um, joining the community and playing with a bunch of friends and people from uh, PSVG, as well as others, kind of helping out where I, where I can. Um, but more recently, actually, I've kind of pushed aside Destiny a little bit and uh, playing Watch Dogs 2, finally. Um, that's a Thanks. game I, I absolutely loved the first one, although a lot of people had mixed reviews. It seemed like you either liked it or you hated it. It was kind of no in-between, but uh, I dug the first one and am really enjoying my time with the second one. Definitely has a different tone. It's much more jokey. Uh, the characters are a lot more lighthearted, uh, and you're, it's more of a team as opposed to a lone wolf kind of character as it was in the first one with Aiden Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, it's definitely a lot more uh, rated M for mature, and not because of the content, but because of the language. It seems to be a little little gratuitous. Um, Trying to be a, edgy for edgy sake. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like that. It's almost as if you took Watch Dogs and kind of mashed it up with Saints Row's level of humor so far. I see. Um, so it's kind of a little bit over the top, but... I think they really just kind of wanted to adjust the tone there. So, uh, but definitely having fun with that. Um, on the the movie front, um, did pick up Spider-Man Homecoming and finally got a chance to introduce it to my girls because um, I had went and seen it with my wife only and we kind of left the girls at home and kind of had a date night. So they've been waiting to see it. Um, still great upon second viewing. I uh, still had a blast. That one probably my second favorite um, Marvel movie, although this was technically Sony, but um of the year. So uh, second only to Guardians 2. Uh, that one, I think, still has the, the throne for right now. Um, but it's great. I think they did a great job of this character. Easily the best Spider-Man, I think, we, we've had to date cinema, cinematically. Um, but yeah, the kids loved it. They had a great time with it. So uh, even my uh, my two-year-old sat through it and was, was entertained whenever she saw Spider-Man. She, she knows who he is and can identify him and kind of points at the TV when he's doing stuff. So. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it was fun. And other than that, just catching up with all the TV stuff going on right now, trying to keep up with that stuff between Flash and, you know, Legends and Supergirl and all that kind of stuff, trying to play catch up when I can there. But uh, that's pretty much it for me. How about you? Um, On the TV side of things, I'm caught up on Supergirl and The Flash. Um, I'm an episode behind on Legends and two episodes behind on Arrow. Mm. So... There's that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I mentioned this before, but, you know, of those episodes, like the season premieres, the Supergirl was the best. And I just, I feel like I want Arrow to be good again. I want them all to be good, but it's just, yeah. they're faltering a little bit. And I mean, Legends is fun. It's 
it it's is. gone from annoying and stupid to kind of, oh, this is kind of fun now. So yep. I like it. But on the gaming side of things, I honestly haven't been playing anything at all. I, Any, anything? Anything. Um, and- I, I'm, I'm wanting to play some stuff. I played <laughs> a little bit of Shadow of War not long ago. Um, but I haven't even gotten back to that in a while because I've been so busy. Um, and then tomorrow, as we record this, we're recording on Thursday, October 26th. And tomorrow is the D-Day for gaming and it other is. entertainment. It's the entertainment D-Day. I mean, uh, you're you're having season two of Stranger Things come out. Mm-hmm. You're also having Wolfenstein 2, which doesn't really have my number at this point. I might wait for a sale to pick that up at some point. Mm. And I do have pre-ordered and already pre-installed digitally uh, Assassin's Creed Origins because that just looks fantastic. The Egyptian culture really looks cool. And if I'm done recording with you soon enough, it unlocks in like 40 minutes. So then there's that. (laughs) And then... um, Coming tomorrow in the mail with a special coin from Best Buy. Uh, and I chose Best Buy because the Gamer Club Unlocked got it for 20% off. And sure. I got the $10 credit. Uh, and they had the special promotion for this coin. So I got the Zelda coin. So I figured I might as well get the Mario coin. Uh, and I'm getting Mario Odyssey that it'll be delivered tomorrow, which is getting really good reviews. It is. It's crazy. I mean, I know Mario is a classic game series, but, you know, I was trying to think, and I don't believe I have ever completed a Mario game, ever. Really? None? I don't believe so. I think I always just play them, have fun, and then just kind of taper off a little bit. Like, I know for sure I didn't beat 64. That would have been the one that I probably did the most time in. Um, There's one on Game Boy. I can't remember the name of it. Um, But, yeah, I've never beaten a Mario game. And except Ooh. for Smash Brothers, if that if that counts. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm I do have it pre-ordered. I don't know when I'll actually get time to play it because my switch time is reduced these days. I just never get a chance to do it because that's my out of the house console. Sure. Um, and with the child looming. Next time I record this, it's going to be even closer. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> so with the child just right around the corner. Uh, I'll be home a lot more, and I'll probably be near my console, but I have heard from Mr. Jason Lacey himself uh, that he says he finds some switch time, you know, just laying with him on a couch or something like that. So I I might uh, try to learn from the master and see if I can get some pointers from from the bearded one. Speaking of kids, before we move on real quick, uh, I happened to pick up, I had to run to Toys R Us to get an unnamed uh, Christmas gift for later um but i picked up the toy catalogs i remember as a kid always going through that catalog and you love looking stuff and circling what you wanted for christmas kind of deal Mm -hmm. before the the age of amazon wish list (laughs) and in in the star wars page i don't know if you're aware they have a land speeder yes i have seen the land speeder (laughs) i Um, thought of you and jason right away as soon as i saw it (laughs) uh i think that uh Obviously, my my boy is not going to be old enough for it for a little while. <laughs> sure. And and by the time he's able to do it, I can probably make a good deal for some junker, you know, off of Jakku or Tatooine for <laughs> one. So I think I got that going for me. There you go. But yeah, I mean, it is pretty cool. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, we had Star Wars toys, but not anything to the effect of what we have today. And no. it's funny because 
so I was born in 87. Okay. Which was after the Star Wars scene and everything like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Jedi had come out years before I was even born. But it was still around, but it wasn't really in its heyday. And now you have Star Wars on on TV. You have it coming mm-hmm. into movie theaters. You have it invading the pop culture once again. You have it uh, in toy aisles. And it's fantastic because it wasn't like that when I was this age. Or no. that, you know. <laughs> so looking forward to... You know, showing my son the ways of the Force. Of the Force. But knowing knowing how things usually go, he'll probably be a Trekkie and be asking me to tell him about Picard. And I'll be like, well, oh. at least you said Picard and not Kirk. Well, I thought you were going to say he's going to go on the dark side and end up killing his father or something. So, Well, you know, someone had to redeem the family. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's about it for me for the entertaining side of things. Nothing to really report as being played of as right now but uh just it's the last calm the minutes before the storm because everything's gonna literally unlock by the time you listen to this dear listener it's already gonna be out so if you're looking at video game stuff there's a lot to uh to check out there and if you're looking for the entertaining side of things uh netflix stranger things season two will be upon you um i think is it 13 episodes again or what did they no, do this time? No, I thought it was nine because it was eight last year. It's one oh. more episode this year. I'm I'm off in my numbering, so eight or nine episodes. Nice. Yeah, it was eight. It was eight for season one. Supposed to be nine for this season, supposedly. I mean, it might change when they drop. I don't know if they might surprise us, but yeah. it's being reported as nine. <laughs> well, no matter what, I'm sure it'll be a good ride, and it's going to be one of those things where you kind of want to avoid social media. I think. Oh yeah. Um, until you have a chance to watch it, and it's kind of disappointing. Not disappointing, but kind of sad that you have to do that because it'll almost encourage you to binge it faster than you typically would want to take something in. Mm-hmm. So you may not get the full enjoyment of it. You'll just you'll you'll inhale it so quickly that you won't remember what happened, or you just you won't be able to take it all in and let it digest and let it process between episode to episode. Because that's one of the nice things, if you think about it, a week to week show. It lets you go back, think about it, ponder, and anticipate. And you don't get that when you binge. You don't get a chance to really take in what you just watched. Because as soon as that cliffhanger ending happens, next episode starts right up. Yeah, there's no consequences. You don't feel like anything that happened in the prior episode matters because you already moved on to the resolution of it. So Right, because, <laughs> you know, if you look at a TV show like Arrow or something like that or whatever, they have a an emotional cliffhanger at the end, possibly. And then within two minutes, that's been resolved, and they're laughing again. <laughs> Somebody died and already came back from the dead. Within <laughs> Literally, that's that'll, what will happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, let's talk about something interesting and um, dive into our entertaining thoughts for this week. I haven't mentioned it yet. Kevin knows. And if you've read the episode title, you know (laughs) what we're talking about. And that is the 1993 theatrical release, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Now, how old were you in 93? So I was born in 87. I I was six years old in 93 when this came out. 
but I remember seeing the Mask of the Phantasm poster in a local theater. So I was born in 81, so this came out in December, so I would have been 12. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, math yeah, checks out to me. Yeah, it would have been 12. So yeah, I, I remember when this came out, it was after the first season of uh, the the best version of the Batman animated series that came out. Um, and they were just trying to steamroll that and keep that momentum going with this with this full length uh, full length feature film. Um, I did not see it in theaters, though. I did see it once it was released for home video at that point. Okay. So neither of us got a chance to see it in the theaters, which is no. disappointing when in hindsight. However, the Blu-ray has been released, and I think we both have decent TVs and we're able <laughs> it's to better than watch it. Looks, yeah, it looks better at home on Blu-ray <laughs> than it did in theaters, though. So. That's right. Uh, better than it originally did when it came out. However, uh, this movie like you said, is in the same style and animation uh, with the same voice actors as the Batman the Animated Series, which, as you mentioned, is the best version of Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a lot of people have this argument, right? Christian Bale, Nolan, it's the best Batman, blah, blah, blah. Burton, best Batman, blah, blah, blah. To me, it has always been that Kevin Conroy is yes, my sir. Batman. Yep, he is the voice of Batman. Anybody else does it and it just sounds off no yeah. matter what. I mean, especially Christian Bale. Let's not get into that one, but was <laughs> it <laughs> Um, but yeah, you look at uh Kevin Conroy's portrayal of Batman and of course Mark Hamill as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Those are the quintessential Batman and Joker for me. They will always be my Batman and Joker and I loved it when they were Batman and Joker in the Arkham series. Yes. And honestly, that lent, it, lent itself to me uh, validity of of the characters. It sounded right. You didn't second-guess people the entire way through. I think Troy Baker did Joker in Origins uh, when it came out. And he did a good job. But it's it's one of those things where mark hamill is he's just got the laugh he's got the menace he's got everything down and it's fantastic um but mark hamill as the joker kevin conroy as batman this is what my batman is and people say you know the best batman movie is the dark knight and it is a good batman movie it's very good you know it's it's among the best movies of you know all time honestly but when you look at the character of batman And just the story overall, this movie still, in my opinion, uh, stacks up. And you be the judge, dear listener. I know a lot of people just, they discount animation, but if you're a child of the 90s or you grew up in that time frame and you haven't seen Phantasm or you haven't seen in a long time, I think you'd be surprised if you go back and rewatch it. Definitely. I I agree. I mean, there's something just to be said about DC's animation, period. Um, they do phenomenal job on their, their animated movies and presentations that they do. We see them, you know, every couple of weeks or so every month is a new release in target for them. And a lot of people overlook them, but I don't think I've really ever been super disappointed with one of them yet. Um, you know, there's certainly highs and lows, but I think, you know, where Marvel, I think does the better job theatrically. I think DC with its animated stuff is, is top notch. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And, you know, this was an interesting risk for them to take, you know, um, 
they they took a, a cartoon which was big in that time. I think you had Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and stuff like yep. that from Disney hitting all during that time. Yep, Little Mermaid. Yep. Yeah, that that was all kind of big at that point. So they said, hey, let's let's bring Batman out here. And at the time, like you like you had mentioned, it was a TV show, and this was kind of a risk taking that property and moving it to the the actual theater screen, which you know I'm surprised in hindsight that they they didn't do more yeah i agree i mean originally i think that the i got i can't remember what the actual the the uh box office numbers were but i have to think that the draw was there uh they bought oh wow okay so according to wikipedia so take this with a grain of salt <laughs> Uh, this released December 25th, 1993. So it was that holiday release, 76-minute runtime, and it had a budget of $6 million and a box office, Kevin, of 5.6. Really? Low, right? That seems weird to me. Wow. That I think that answers why we didn't see more. <laughs> yeah, I think that does answer. <laughs> I mean, I would think... Uh, maybe maybe I'm just looking at it with my nostalgia glasses now, but you know, have, if this were to come out today, I think it would easily do, you know, ten million, uh, yeah. and that might even be in the opening weekend. You know, right? Uh, if you bring bring out a, because they did a limited release of the Dark Knight Returns, I believe, uh, a limited theatrical engagement of the Dark Knight Returns when they did that oh, yeah. recently. Yes, yep. And that probably brought in more than five point six million. I would think so. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. So there's our answer why we probably didn't see more, because when you look at this this animation style, I mean, I I know this was kind of leaning in a little bit, and you could see it in the opening screens and stuff with some of the C uh, computer generated Early CG. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But most of it was hand drawn, and that probably took a long time. And for being for being hand drawn. The animation was great. I mean, it stacks up to a Disney animation movie, I would think, um, for sure. What did you think of the animation style? So it it was funny because I haven't revisited this movie in quite some time. So when I first started watching it, it was a little little jarring at first seeing it. I was like, oh, well, you know, why does this look this looks a little rough? And I think we've just been so uh, spoiled by by what we deal with nowadays. So I had, I had to go back and look at when was this actually released again because I kind of forgot. I thought it was actually later in the '90s than than early '90s. That's because I'm an old man. Um, mm. But overall, I mean, I, th- I think it, w- it was well. It was it was just like it was in the animated series, so it, it worked fine. There were a couple things I, n- I noticed which kind of took me out of it. Um, just a tad, like uh, there's a scene early on where Bruce is at the party and he has the three ladies around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the women, if you if you look at it, her eyes are entirely black. Like there's no whites to the eyes, so it almost, it seemed almost like she was wearing a mask. Like it just kind of that was one thing that, that jumped out at me as being a little odd. So it, it seems like maybe the the quality control wasn't a hundred percent there. I don't know if they were under the gun to get it out because it also seems weird that they released this around Christmas time, um, being the risk that it was in the first place. So I, I just wonder if it was kind of a let's push and get this thing out of here. So it wasn't quite up to what I would have expected, but it was it was well done and it, and it fit the tone exactly with the animated series. Mhm. Yeah, you know, it was kind of funny you think about the the animation style, but there's a lot of things that 
if you have like those all black eyes or things like that, they could just be trying to artistically display something, you know, in, yeah. in that in that characteristic. So it's always interesting to try to be like, yeah, that was a weird choice, but maybe they meant to do it that way. Right, right. It was just, it was just weird because the other two women had normal eyes, like the characters that throw thing, but this one character for some reason had just solid black eyes. So it was weird. Mm-hmm. So I think the animation obviously is on par at least if not better at times than the animated series yeah animated series though had time to breathe and had time to kind of you know grow a little bit more than obviously a theatrical single release would do but another thing that always stands out to me about this and obviously the the animated series as well kind of shares this but this movie the opening and closing like scenes the music that accompanies them. the soundtrack is great. I was hoping you're going to bring this up. The soundtrack was so good. Mm. Like, I wonder how much of the budget went towards that because it literally was on par with what you'd see in the regular movie releases for Batman. Like the themes are just that iconic, that well done that it, it fit, you know, a blockbuster movie style mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where when it opens up, it's got that, that dark kind of brooding music, obviously mm-hmm. Batman, you're going to have that. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it has the orchestral, Mm-hmm. Um, the, the choir come in and just like the whole riff that they caught with that was fantastic and whew, I loved it. It, it yeah, sounds it was so good. It did like right away. I was like, "Oh, this this just feels right." You know, all over again as I was watching my couch by myself. I was like, "Oh, this is great." Mm-hmm. So good. Um, but yeah, that, that's one thing about about this movie that when I remember remember when Napster was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, back in the day, one of the first things I remember looking for was like music from Batman the Animated Series, Mask of the Phantasm, obviously among that. And ever since then, it's one of those files that's always kind of been in my library is that opening theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so good. It sounds so good. I'll listen to it in my car and things like that. It's just, I need to actually, and I probably will before I edit this, um, get the actual score because i don't have it oh really it's one of the rare ones i don't have and you know it was funny because i didn't own this on blu-ray because i forgot that it released i think we were doing an episode of the telltale batman yeah uh, review on psvg and you mentioned that it came out and i was like that just flew right under my radar been too busy i didn't even realize (laughs) but i so i added the blu-ray to my collection and i just need to get that soundtrack and add that to my collection too but phenomenal score Voice oh, yeah. acting, as I said, always great. And when you look at this at this movie, you have this new character that comes in. Um, oh, what was her first name? Belmont. Andrea. Uh, and Andrea Beaumont. Andrea. He called Andrea. Her. Yeah, Andrea. That's right. I kept thinking, why isn't it Andrea? But yeah, they kept emphasizing Andrea. Yeah. Um, so she is. And this is the way that they told the story was interesting, too. It was an origin story without the. Yeah, the alley scene, mm-hmm. and you did not need it because obviously everybody knows who Batman is. Yeah, you don't, you don't need another. His parents are dead in in the alleyway, and they were just kind of using the, you know, he's a he's a man now. He's wrestling with the vow that he's made that he's trying to commit, you know, to this um, solidarity to that vow, becoming the Batman, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then he runs into this woman. He becomes happy. You know, it's one of those things that you never kind of think about or see in in a lot of Batman stories. Usually no. it's just, I'm the Batman. Things like that, right? Yep. Um, what did you think about the introduction and how they actually 
uh, used Andrea's character in fleshing out Bruce and humanizing him more than typically you see, because usually you just see him as the Batman. Yep, that's 100% where I was going with it, too. So, you know, he always says in a lot of these features that, you know, it's not Batman that's the mask, it's Bruce Wayne that's the mask. And in this time, it was the exact opposite. You've never seen Bruce in this way. You've never even seen him really, I don't want to say care, because he cares about people, but you ever see him, like, love somebody and be so broken down and, like, raw. Like, he's never that, you know, unguarded, if you will, with his... You know, his lifestyle, um, it brought a lot more humanity than we see with him. Um, it's watching him struggle to go back and forth between, you know, what is the Batman? You see him throughout this movie kind of uh, developing, you know, the costume. You know, they're not afraid of me, Alfred, you know, stuff like that. Like you see his frustration. He's, he was more humanized than we're used to. Normally it's, you know, bang, parents dead. I'm, you know, traumatized and I'm just going to go out and rage. And the rage really wasn't there throughout most of this movie. It was very much like a a, a different take on like a year one uh, mm-hmm. scenario where he's just learning how to how to deal with it. But we've never seen him so unguarded and so trying to find that balance between Bruce Wayne and Batman. Instead of saying I am Batman, he was trying to say, you know, where is that line? Where does these two personas live in, in my lifetime? And and allowing somebody else into his life but trying to keep the Batman separate from even her. So it was definitely a different take than what we're used to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as you were mentioning that, it kind of reminds me again of the, the Telltale series that they've been doing yep. now, and it's that, that balance between Batman and Bruce. And, you know, how how you balance those two characters out and really, uh, you know, you don't always need to be the Batman, but you don't always need to be Bruce either. And just It was an interesting interplay that they also were able to shed light to that here because... Every Batman movie, nobody cares about Bruce. Let's no. be honest. <laughs> it's true. But in this Batman movie, you do. And, you know, you want Bruce to be happy. You you want him to have, you know, to be, to be able to love Andrea and also be Batman. Mm-hmm. But and the reality is he wouldn't be able to do that because, as we see later on, you know, things happen, right? Right. So what do you think of the introduction of the Phantasm? So Phantasm was a great character right off the bat. The first time you're introduced to the Phantasm, you're you're right away. I'm like, this is, you know, a villain I can get behind it very much. You know, the people he's taking out think it's Batman right off the bat just simply because the mannerisms, the appearance out of the dark, out of the smoke, out of the shadows. But then they quickly realize, like, wait a minute, this is not Batman. This is something way different. And just the mask, the voice, the uh, even the way Phantasm moves is very menacing. It always seemed to be, at least in the earlier parts of the movie, very slow, very methodic, almost like uh, the Terminator, mm-hmm. you know, just would walk in and just kind of slow approach and doesn't matter what you're going to do. I'm going to get you in the end kind of uh, mentality. And I, I, I wish honestly that Phantasm was used more. Right. <laughs> Cause it's pretty much just this and, and that's it in the movie. Like we never see Phantasm again. And I just think it was a, a great character. Um, developed by a, a great writer. I mean, I don't think we've mentioned that. So this, this was written by Paul Dini. So, you know, created Harley Quinn created, you know, mad love, some of the greatest Batman stories ever. And I would put this right up there with that. Um, but yeah, it was a great character. We didn't see very menacing, uh, a dark brooding character, which I would want to see Batman take on in his later years and see how that would go. Mm-hmm. Um, without getting too far into the story is where it goes. But yeah, as a very dark menacing character, uh, 
you know, once again, matching the tone of the animated series, though, because yes, the animated series was quote unquote a kid's show, but it was it was pretty dark. It had it had its moments. I mean, nowadays you don't see cartoons that would be on after school with characters, you know, featuring guns and threatening and shooting people and blood like but this had all this and not in a super dark, you know, way, but this character just matched the tone of that and was a very menacing figure uh for out, you know, a good 70% of the movie, I'd say. Mhm. Yeah. Uh and just so we don't get corrected by the listening audience. Paul Dini was a writer on this film. However, the story was by Alan Burnett. Oh, okay. Sorry. But Paul Dini, obviously, was not definitely involved. And also, Bruce Timm was one of the directors on this film. Uh, yes. Because he's always got his fingers on the animated series. Eric Radomsky was the uh, headlining director, though. However, you know, enough of that. But Phantasm, I thought, was a pretty cool introduction. They had definitely the similarities. Uh, and uh, from a distance, I could see how you could mistake Batman for Phantasm. Right. Yeah. Um, and very interesting in how they use that character to flat out take out some mob guys. And what I thought was interesting was the first one, I think it was Chucky, Chucky Saul, that Phantasm goes after, uh, goes off of the parking deck into the building across the street. <laughs> yeah. I figured he didn't die. But, you know, thinking about that, uh, I guess he would because then it goes to a funeral scene or something later uh, yeah. <laughs> where, where he's gone. And I had just thought, like, you know, in Fast and Furious, they, they jumped, like, buildings and they were fine. <laughs> the Rock does that all the time. Exactly. And the crazy thing was is he was, you know, Chucky was scot-free. Mm-hmm. He, he had eluded the Phantasm but then went back and tried to run the Phantasm over with the car. And that's kind of where it went all mm-hmm. downhill for him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so obviously interesting that that character died, and I figured if they if they would have wanted you to be like, oh, this this character is for sure dead. I don't know if it was because of TV maybe that they did this or like you know the PG rating, but I would have thought that they would have just let that car drop down to the street. You know what I mean? And I thought that's where it was going too. I didn't think it was going to make it to the other building. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I guess it's it's less animation if it just has to go across the gap as opposed to all the way down. I don't know. Maybe it's time-saving. Yeah, possibly. But interesting you know, opening to the Phantasm character. You get to have the introduction, which leads to the you know, people mistaking Batman for Phantasm. And so they're mm-hmm. blaming him for these deaths. And so they're saying, has the Batman gone bats? I think was the, head, the headline on one of the, yes. the yep. papers. And you get that. There was an episode of the animated series I saw recently that was a uh, a fear hallucination that Barbara had that um, everybody found out who Batman was. Mm-hmm. And so the cops were after him. They were chasing him. And, you know, Dick Grayson got caught and uh, Damian Wayne got caught. And they caught, you know, it was a really interesting take. It was, albeit, a, a dream sequence, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but here we see the police chasing after Batman in a way that you don't usually see him in the animated series being chased because he's usually working with, you know, Gordon and yep. everybody on on everything. And this time, the police are chasing him, and they're they're like, oh, they're going him. after him. Oh yeah. yeah, Gordon was the only one that said, you know, the Batman doesn't kill. It's not in his code. Like he was the only one, as always, defending Batman. But yeah, they, I mean, they were. They were going for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harvey Bullock, you know, he was going after him. Like, it was just, he was put in charge of the, 
the task force to go after him. So, mm-hmm. and he was not uh, pulling any punches. No, not at all. And I thought it was funny too because you had talked about the year one kind of stuff they had mm-hmm. in there. Uh, they had like the young Bruce, obviously, and they had a, a scene with the young Harvey Bullock. <laughs> yep. That was pretty funny in his opening gig. Um, but anyway, I digress. And you know they they do something else that I like with this movie. Um, not really an origin for him per se, but we'll, we'll go ahead and and bring in our clown prince of crime. Yes, because they had him as a goon slash kind of mobster guy. You know that they revealed to be as the Joker later on, which I yeah. thought was really smart, because I remember originally watching this. I didn't put two and two together until pretty much Batman did, You're right? <laughs> that the Joker was this other guy, and I I love that that interplay. It ties the stories really well together. What did you think of how they tied that in and then brought in the Joker? Yeah, I mean, it made sense that they didn't really hide the fact that Joker was going to be in this movie. And, and as you start watching through most of it, you kind of wonder, like, how exactly is he going to fit in? And then the big reveal happens. Now, if you're familiar with Batman, you know, the Joker technically has no origin story, but there's all different ones that are, you know, kind of recycled. Uh, and this is one that is used fairly often, I think, where they kind of say, like, oh, yeah, he was just a gangster. And it kind of went wrong, you know, just like the uh, Jack Nicholson did in um the first Batman one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of that approach there, too. So I, probably the first time I saw it, I don't recall, but I would imagine the first time I saw it, I didn't see that connection coming. Um, but this time, obviously, I, I knew it was it was coming. But, yeah, it, it was done in a different way that still looped people in because if, if you're a young kid watching this movie, you might have been a little off-put because, I mean, number one, this is probably the least amount you've seen Batman in – a film like you see more Bruce Wayne, I think, than you do see a Batman throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you don't have the familiar villains. You don't have, you know, Penguin, you don't have Riddler, you don't have any of those things. So, you know, the Joker is there, but even his role isn't as big until the, you know, the ending of the of the movie. So it was kind of like putting the pieces together. It's like, OK, where is this going to fit in? And I, I think it was done probably the best way they could have for the sake of the storytelling. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a twist that I think a lot of kids seeing it for the first time would not have seen it coming. Yeah. And thinking about his lair, you know, he, he lives in that world of tomorrow type scenario. Yep. (laughs) And I thought that was pretty funny and it made it for a great third act. Oh, and earlier there was that flashback, you know, when Bruce was there with Andrea and Mm -hmm. he sees the, the Batmobile kind of, prototype yep i love that i mean those little hints like that are fantastic yeah it's like can you imagine you've never seen anything like this before you're just like looking at it's like i could have that Uh (laughs) that's the car that's the car and so it's it's pretty cool how the those seeds are all kind of planted and tied in with everything and how it all just you know continues to boil up and grow and i love the fact that the joker was really the first one who realized that it wasn't batman killing people off it was a different person the phantasm Mm-hmm. He had a little camera there, obviously, and, uh, you know, he was the Joker and, you know, did his little Joker thing against that one mob guy. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Joker was the Joker in this movie, and it was, again, doesn't hold back. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think how, if I want to dive into that third act now, because, uh, man, it 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 just culminates and it moves in such a great way and such a oh there's pace. there's a, and there's a lot that goes on so <laughs> mm-hmm. there is one thing that I want to mention before we get there and that's obviously when 
Andrea decides to leave and Bruce proposes to her. Um, obviously that's different, right? Huge. Yeah. Um, but after he proposes, she leaves and then he commits to being Batman and you see him putting the, the suit on and for the first time, presumably, and he had that, that run in with the guys earlier. They they don't, they're not afraid of me. He had to figure out a way for them to be afraid of me. And then the part where he gets handed the mask by Alfred and oh, puts God. it on, and that yes. look, just so good. What, what did you think of that that full suit kind of reveal and the first time we see that Batman eyes uh, after he puts on that mask? I, yeah, it, it was that scene was one of the best scenes in the movie. Just you know, he put slides on the mask, squints the eyes, you know, they light up with that you know iconic white eye thing. But then Alfred's reaction to that was the best because. Alfred, you know, his his confidant, his lifelong friend was terrified. And the way he just looked as Batman just casually walked right by him and got into the Batmobile and then, and then sped off. But, yeah, it was just it was done so well. And you just got that complete fear uh, in Alfred's expression, which, once again, we're talking about older animation style. So it's a little bit, uh, you know crude i don't want to say well yeah it's crude but to portray that kind of emotion in it was just phenomenal it was a great scene mm-hmm. just so well done so good and that's just as a testament too of the the animation style right for that to be mm-hmm. for that to really be displayed without an actual actor telling yes. you that information was really good um so let's actually wait before before you move on though as part of the scene he hops in the batmobile and he speeds out of the Batcave. mm-hmm I just want to point out, why does Batman have the curviest road to get out of the Batcave while speeding <laughs> in the Batmobile? There's no railings. There's no nothing. That seems very reckless to me. It's just uh, – it's like the, the the curvy road you see in San Francisco, the iconic one you see in all the pictures there. like kind uh-huh. of just zooms up and down. It's like that. Why why was that the practical approach to building the way out of the Batcave there, Bruce? That just – it doesn't seem to make sense. Well, I, I think that it was to confuse the bats, obviously. Oh, okay. Makes sense, right? Sure. We'll okay. go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 dive into this third act. So everything culminates to the reveal that Phantasm is actually Andrea. Andrea. Yep. <laughs> and that the the henchman is actually the Joker. And Batman figures that out. And then I, at the very end, I think the Joker figured out first that Phantasm was Andrea. Yeah, he he calls her out by name mm-hmm. when she encounters him. Yep. And I thought that it was interesting, too, that... Or not interesting, but... This, again, is another Batman movie where he is a detective. He's actually a detective. <laughs> yes, he is. Trying to figure things out. Yep. Just wanted to point that out and make sure people realize that he is the great detective. <laughs> His detective comics. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's where it comes from, boys and girls. DC, detective comics. That's right. Anyway, um, so... It all comes up, Batman, Joker, Andrea, Phantasm. They're all at the, that final sequence. They're all you know in the big fighting battle. The fight between Joker and Andrea, I loved. <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> and especially the part where they're wrestling and he's up against the table and there's a yes. knife there, but he goes for the baloney. He smacks her with the log of baloney. <laughs> and later and she's rubbing bad. her face. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And then he goes after her with the the egg beaters, the mm-hmm. the mixer like thing too. So it's just like 
you have all this other stuff at your disposal and you pick the most ridiculous things, which I mean, hey, it's the Joker. It makes sense. It but yeah, it was just I, I laughed out loud last night when I saw that again. I, I had just forgotten and I was like, oh, man, he's going to grab the bologna and then he smacks her with it. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. it is. It was such a, a good like little battle between the two of them. And then obviously it comes to the part where she's about to die. And then Batman shows up, saves yep. the day, obviously, as he does. And I just Joker just is having so much fun, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> he's he's just laughing mani- maniacally and just uh, it, it turns into, you know, we think that maybe Phantasm is leaving. Andrea is leaving. Yeah. And then it turns into a Batman versus Joker, which is it's what we want. I mean, this is yes, this movie is giving us everything that we want. Um, And now this sequence of him just going around with the uh, the different elements of the the fair and it just it was so so fun you know totally so it it was it joker yeah joker uh, leaps out of the window from like his lair i guess down to the rooftop but he's just like the whole time he just does he's just laughing away as if no it doesn't matter i'm just gonna leap off this building and Mm -hmm. through plate glass windows no big deal like it was great and i love it or later how he's got like this jet pack on he's like i'm about to take off and then batman just like just runs up and gets like oh come on man yeah, he's like, we're if you, if you hang on, we're both gonna die. He's like, well, so be it. You know, Batman is normal way. Mm-hmm. So the whole place is wired to explode, obviously, because Joker's lair. He's gonna always wire it to explode, yep. <laughs> and the explosion happens. Yep. Everybody would. I mean, Batman wasn't able to stop the explosion, and I don't even think he tried. Honestly, I don't, I don't think, think he, he did had... either. He just he just said it's gonna blow, and then the, yeah. you, it cuts to the oven, and that's where it starts from. Yeah. So at least it wasn't like there's people he has to worry about. It's just him, Joker, and maybe Phantasm. He didn't know if she was gone or not at that right. point. But he gets knocked, pretty much knocked out uh, of the area into the sewers, and survives the the explosion. And presumably believes that Andrea is dead, which would mean that the Joker is also dead. Mm-hmm. So, did they fake you out? I'm gonna go with yes. I, I think I think when I initially watched it, I did think I was like, "Wow, did that just really happen?" And I think I believed it because of the kind of dark tone of this film anyway that it didn't seem to be out of that realm of possibility that they wouldn't go that far but yeah i I think it did get me the first time i saw it yeah and for me i couldn't remember i mean the first time i saw it i'm sure i thought that she was gone the joker was just like well they can't kill the joker he'll he'll, he'd find a way to get out obviously but phantasm i thought well we will probably never see that character again because they were just introduced and now they're gone yeah but we obviously see that she hangs a pendant in the bat cave later and um she's still alive on a boat somewhere she's on a mm-hmm. boat i'm on um, a boat it was it was a it was a cool thing it left the door open for her to maybe come back at some point and obviously the joker is probably alive so right. to have that you know complete of a story and way better than the Dark Knight Rises, where the ship blows up, and then all of a sudden, or not the ship, the the airplane blows up, and then you look later, and Alfred sees him in a bar, and he nods. That was just a way better way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, my final overall thoughts on on this movie is that it is a, it is a great movie. 
It is animated, obviously. It's from 1993. However, um, the Blu-ray, I would presume, has been cleaned up pretty well. So if you want to go watch it, it still holds up, in my opinion. Like we mentioned before, the the animation can be a little bit dated, we'll say. Sure. Um, at points, but it's still overall really good. And it's a great story, great acting, great soundtrack. And I think that it's it's definitely worth watching. Now, when I do say it's great soundtrack, that thing that did throw me for a loop that I thought was kind of odd <laughs> was oh. when the credits come up, there's yes. a, the song that comes out of nowhere. It's like, what is this? Yeah, it's a very much like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, circa 1990s inspired like R&B song, kind mm-hmm. of like it's. Yeah, it it was the nineties. Yeah, so that's all you could say, really. <laughs> yeah, there there was a weird song during the credits, but that doesn't take anything away from the movie. Um, but it was it was a great watch, and I I look forward to watching it again. You know, in a in a little while, and this does hold up to be one of the best released cinematically Batman movies for sure. Um, and I hope. But uh, you, dear listener, if you haven't yet, go watch it. Check it out. Because obviously we didn't cover everything in detail. And I don't like to do that because I think that you should go watch the movies that we discuss. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, give it give it at least a view. Because I think you'll you'll find something that you enjoy if you enjoyed what you heard on this discussion. But, Kevin, what, were, what are your final thoughts? I mean, you said it pretty much how i feel uh, like i said the animation can feel a little bit dated but it doesn't take away from the story i mean it, it's like reading the golden age and silver age comics versus reading the modern day comics yes the art style is going to be different that's just how it is but the story the content there is still as uh relevant as it would be as if it was done today so don't let that take it away amazing cast we covered that earlier kevin conroy mark hamill the two best i think for these roles um we didn't touch on this but uh abe vigoda was in this mm-hmm. like come on like <laughs> that's just insane it's insane to begin with he was the the guy on the, on the oxygen mask um but yeah the story is great it's one of the best batman stories we've seen uh, like you said cinematically um and even i think if the if this was a comic, it would still be up there with, with some of the best written stories. You have a great team working on this that worked on the animated series and the comics during that time. And it's iconic. Don't, don't let the art or the, you know, the year it came out, take it away from you. Cause as we know, there's still some great experiences from the eighties and nineties that we still love to visit today. And it, this should absolutely be in everyone's library, especially if you're a Batman fan. I agree. So dear listener, Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation, but uh, if you want to catch Kevin Moore, where can they do that? Well, you can find me at playsomevideogames.com, um, hosting one of the, I don't know, we've got like 10 different shows going on now at this point, I think, but uh, <laughs> most of the time I'm behind the scenes now kind of producing all these shows, but you can still find me on the regular PSVG podcast, uh, and then some of the early morning gamer stuff as well, so yeah, check it out. And are you on Twitter? Oh, yes, you can find me at Twitter, at PSVG Kevin. Sounds good. And you can find me at Voiced by Nathan. I also do some stuff with Kevin over at PlaySomeVideoGames.com, so feel free to go check some stuff out over there. As we teased a couple times, we do, we're do we doing a um, as-they-release kind of review. Uh, I don't know. I think you called it a book club or something like that at some point. 
of the yeah, Telltale <laughs> Batman games. Yeah. Or Telltale Batman game, I should say. We've done episodes one and two. I think that's all that's out so far of season two. Yes. Yep. Uh, so we'll continue to do that as they release. So if you enjoy Batman, and if you enjoyed this discussion about us talking about Batman, there's more Batman to be had over there. Have I said Batman enough? Batman. <laughs> Batman. I'm Batman. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Voiced by Nathan. You can find the show on Twitter at Entertaining Pod. We invite you to comment on the show, what you thought of it. Uh, anything like that on Twitter, let's take the discussion online. Uh, you can email the show. That's entertaining. Nope, that's not it. It is <laughs> connect. <laughs> connect at that's entertaining.net. I never give that out. That's why I forgot about that one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, I believe that'll do it for us this week. Uh, one more thing. I did want to encourage you to go check out the site. Uh, that's entertaining.net. Uh, our friend, Steve, good old Steve Waldinger from uh you've obviously heard him before on this show and from the league of extraordinary gentlemen or sorry league of entertaining <laughs> gentlemen <laughs> wrong league wrong that's league. right wrong league uh he has been writing some articles over there so feel free to go check them out give him a comment follow him on twitter uh and that way you can continue the conversation there he's a, he's a great writer so check out his stuff good good guy but that'll do it for us this week this month Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We hope that you have been entertained.